Um, so I think we just got a glimpse of the Polyjuice potion that, that transforms um, what well, seems like quite a few of you here into versions of Harry Potter. Um, David and, uh, and Nat, you are both in that scene. You're both members of the Order of the Phoenix. Um, tell me a little bit about the experience of, uh, of these films as well, because you haven't been in every single one of them, but uh, you've been a, certainly a very popular and active presence in them. Um, yeah, well, I, I think I, I was mainly in Prisoner of Azkaban, and um, ever since then, it's been, um, it's been very nice to get married to this young lady for a start, which was a little unexpected because we were talking outside about how J.K. Rowling announced that Dumbledore was gay um, <laughs> at, at some point, but when Alfonso... Qu <laughs> you know that, don't you? Thanks for yeah. I'm just, just being it, it, it was after we cast Michael Gambon that she made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in, in fact, in The Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, Alfonso Cuaron, in the rehearsals, um, without J.K. Rowling's knowledge, told me that I was, in fact, gay. Uh, and so I'd been playing the part um, like, rather gaily for quite a long time. <laughs> Until then, uh, and then it turned out that I then indeed got married and, um, uh, uh, to Tonks, and um, I, I then changed my whole performance after that and uh, just, saw it, just saw it as a phase he went through. Uh, um, yeah, Nat? Yeah, it's nice being married to a werewolf. You know, I'm nice and hairy once a month. Crazy. Um, uh, I was hoping for a big litter. I was hoping that in the sixth one, I'd, in the seventh, I'd get, like, a big pregnant belly and I'd get to run around on a broomstick, but that didn't happen. Um, yeah, it's nice being married to you. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. You are also about to be out in Game of Thrones, so do you feel that the Harry Potter experience has prepared you for the whole fanboy hysteria? Maybe. Maybe. But she's a very different character. She's kind of like a weird, like, forest woman that thinks she can hear spirits and stuff with a Sheffield accent, which I don't know how I'm going to do that, but hopefully it's all right. Um, now, Bonnie, you've also been in the series from the beginning, um, and obviously your character has changed quite a bit as you have. Um, in this film, you have your first kiss with Harry Potter. I can imagine that must have been a somewhat strange experience having known Daniel since you were very, very li little. Yeah, it was actually in the previous one to this, the first kiss, but the second one happens in this one. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting, really, because obviously we all started when we were so young and so sort of... I think I was particularly kind of quite fearless about the whole thing when you are quite young. You kind of just go for things and kind of see how they work out. But as you grow old and your char my character did develop, which I'm you know, greatly thankful for, there is that pressure, I think, when you know the, the hero of these stories now ends up with Ginny Weasley. It was quite a... I was quite worried that everyone would kind of dislike the character suddenly, but luckily that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, it's been an amazing journey, and it's just been amazing just watching everyone else sort of develop and sort of grow around you. So I imagine they're looking at that to me too. So. Now, Ivana, you have actually quite a larger role in this episode. Was, what was that like for you? I mean, I imagine you had some preparation having read the books, but... Um, what, was it a surprise to you that, uh, that you have this kind of breakout moment here? Uh, you mean part one? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I don't, I mean, it's not a huge part, but I think Luna's, uh, her presence is important to Harry because she's so calm and Harry's so not. He, he always has this conflict inside him. And Luna just has none of that, you know? She's just so, she gets distracted by clouds and things. And um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice. Um, 
and uh, it relaxes. I think everyone feels that when they're with her. You just don't feel judged. You feel that, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, it's, I don't know how else to say it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now, Freddie, you came to acting from a degree in neuroscience from the University College in London. Um, leaping into the Harry Potter world must have been quite a change. Uh, yeah, it was. It was, um, it's, it's different, definitely. Um, I been juggling my degree in acting, um, and then, of course, Harry Potter was a much bigger experience, um, and pretty scary. I mean, I came into the production in the sixth film, so these guys have been working for a while, and it's, you're kind of like the new kid at school, and you're kind of worried, how's it going to be? Everyone's, it's a very close family, and these guys were just great. Um, I felt at home straight away from day one. Um, they just had such a great time with these guys. Now, Helen McCrory, as Nar Narcissa Malfoy, you're also a relative newcomer to the ensemble. Um, since so much of the focus seems to be on the good guys, the, the, the Order of the Phoenix, stepping into this role of Narcissa must be a little bit different for you. Because I'm a baddie. Yes. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Well, on behalf of all the baddies in Harry Potter, it's, you know, <laughs> it's just as much fun. Um, is it more fun being a baddie? Uh, not in this one. <laughs> Without giving away the ending, no. Um, but uh, it was quite nerve-wracking because, obviously, by the time I came into it, so many people had seen all the, the Malfoy family and, you know, following my son and my husband and... I didn't realize actually what an enormous phenomenon it was until I sat down and watched them and you go to those first premieres and it's like being with the Beatles. I mean, when, you know, Dan arrives, it's, it's if you're standing in Times Square at the top of Central Park, you start hearing the screams because he's just getting into the car and then they get louder and louder and louder. And that's all very overwhelming, but that's just a sideline of it. Actually walking onto the set the craftsmanship and the artistry that goes into making these films is really quite phenomenal. And I, uh, you know, we're obviously one of the reasons we're here as well is because of this exhibition that's going to be opening in, in Times Square. And it's a privilege to work with the people that are making these props, that paint the sets, that make the most extraordinary uh, costumes. So I think as an actress, when you arrive, that's the most overwhelming thing is the craftsmanship that's going in all, you know, the, the actors walk on set, you're the last cherry on the cake. And um, so, yeah, so rather than goody or baddie, that's, I think that's my predominant memory of, of, uh, of joining this band of people. Thank you. <laughs> now, Warwick Davis, you've played both Griphook and Flitwick. Um, how has your experience shifted? Because obviously the technology over the last 10 years has changed tremendously, so I can imagine, like some of the others, the technology of achieving your, the look of your characters has changed as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, before I answer that, I'd just like to say it's a pleasure to be here at the Apple Store. This is a great thrill for me. I love <laughs> Apple products and everything anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and if, uh, if Steve Jobs is listening, um, send, the, uh, send the truckload of goods to Warwick Davis Care of England, okay? So, uh, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, to... to to answer your question, it was shameless, wasn't it? I'm sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> well, and I just wonder, why did they sit me next to Robbie? Is it to maybe look smaller, him look bigger? <laughs> it's the whole scale thing going on here. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, over the years, I mean, I've played yeah, several different characters in in the Harry Potter series, and it's a huge honour to have been been part of all of the films um, in, in a small way. Pardon the pun. Um, but um, but yeah, the technology has been prosthetic makeup, really, for me. You know, I, I I'm far too good looking for these movies, so they cover me in in three and a half hours worth of glue and glue and silicon rubber. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much been the same process for me throughout these films. You know. Um, uh, you know, obviously, digital technology has gone and, and moved things on, and uh, particularly on the last films, Deathly Hallows, you know, the, the, the presence of green screen was, was everywhere. Um, but the thing that, that struck me mostly about these films, really, you know, compared to films like Star Wars that I've worked on, was really the amount of, of stuff that they actually built for us to work on, the sets. For example, the Great Hall. It's one of my favorite sets, and, and you know, if you were ever able to visit that, uh, that set, you know, it, it started to feel like a real historical place. Throughout the years, you know, all of the different things that happened on the first movie, we had the great feasts in there, we've had funerals in there, the Yule Ball took place in there. Uh, and, you know, for me, it, did, it felt like a real historical place. And, and uh, as, as Helen was saying, you know, the, the kind of artistry and detail in everything was, was just tremendous. So, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that you see as an audience on screen actually exists for us as the actors on set, and that makes it such a, a better acting experience. You know, you can really envisage yourself there and, and believe in what's going on. And uh, I'd also like to just kind of tip my hat to the makeup artists that, uh, that I worked with throughout the years, who are just the most brilliant people, and were able to kind of uh, facilitate me playing all of these different characters, because without them it wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible. In fact, for everyone who might be interested, in approximately 18 months' time, if you come to England, you can actually visit these sets yourselves uh, because Warner Brothers are developing a visitor attraction at Leaves and Studios where the series was filmed, uh, which will include sets such as the Great Hall and Dumbledore's office uh, and other sort of treasured memories from the films and many other uh, artefacts that we use in terms of costumes and props. Uh, so there's something there for all of you if you care to come to England. Just a, li a little thing about the Great Hall that you mentioned. Uh, the, a lot of it is there. It is an amazing, amazing set. But if you look at the first film, um, you'll see a real lack of continuity. Because when we, when we began shooting, we didn't think about the effect that the, you know those big flambos on the side that line the hall with the, with the flames coming out of them? We didn't think of the effect that they would have. So at the beginning, there's no charcoal on the walls. And then the more we filmed over the seven years, they've gotten darker and darker and darker. So in the first film, there's tremendous lack of continuity as you look through the scenes in the Great Hall because they weren't all shot in continuity, where you can see bits with a lot of black and bits with none at all, but not in any order. The other thing is, is you know, sets like that are really expensive. And Stuart Craig, who's our production designer, who really is a genius, um, really insisted that we have York stone on the floor. Now, York stone is really expensive. And however generous Warner Brothers are with their, you know, have been with us with their money, that, that was, you know, you still have to apportion it. And having York stone on the floor seemed like a ridiculous idea. So I, as producer, um, was very resistant to it, and I was completely wrong. Stuart said, you know, I, I was saying, you should paint it. Anyway. Stuart got his way, he had York Stone, and as opposed to us having to repaint it after the second film, and the third, and the fourth, we've had York Stone on the floor, and all the, all, all the, all the way through, 
and it was the best cost-saving we could possibly have had. But Stuart Craig, who's our production designer, is really an absolutely amazing, amazing talent. And Hogwarts is his conception. The whole world is his conception. Well, not this one. No, exactly. <laughs> That's Sir Michael Gambon. You uh, you joined the cast um, and became Dumbledore, uh, yeah. taking over the role for for Richard Harris. Was that a daunting task to assume uh, the mantle? And well, no, not really. I, I knew Richard, but I wasn't. I was upset when he died. And I didn't know I was going to get the part, and um, I, I just went in and put an Irish accent on because Richard was from Ireland, and uh, that's the way I did it. And the, the director. Uh, Alfonso said, what's that funny accent you've got? I said, it's Irish. <laughs> so I said, can I carry on? He said, yeah, go on. So, and my first action on the stage when I got on the set was to go up a flight of stairs to a, a picture on the wall. And so I ran up the stairs. And the costume department said, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't run up the stairs. Because Richard wouldn't run up the stairs. But I ran, so I ran faster. <laughs> and then, of course, I was... Uh, I, I was accused of being gay, and um, the, the next moment after that, they sacked me. They made me die, so I, <laughs> so I was gay and then killed. That's your resume. Yeah, that's my resume. Um, so if I could ask each of you, what is your favorite scene from the series? Either a scene that you participated in or your just favorite scene overall? We'll start with you, Sir Michael. Oh, me. Yeah. Uh, my, my, I always like the scenes where I'm on the dais in, in the Great Hall and doing a long speech, which I never quite knew, so they put it on big boards at the end of the hall, like a really old board. <laughs> but they're always quite long introductions to the, to, the, to the movie at the beginning, and I quite like that feeling of power, standing there on a dais with 500 kids in front of you. It's really good. It's it's really hard to uh, to to think of individual scenes. I mean, I love this. I like the um, the human the really human scenes um, for me more than the action. And um, I love the scene, for example, where Harry is flying the hippogriff over the lake. The sort of the release, that sense of freedom. I love um, the scene in the in in. Um, I, I love, gosh, there's so many. Um, I love the scene in the third film, which was actually born out of a lack of money again, which was. Um, it's the scene where the kids are, are in the Gryffindor common room and they're eating the sweets and they're becoming animals. We didn't have the money to do visual effects, so Alfonso just had them acted out. And I just rem have memories of that. I love, um, I love the scene with Harry and Hermione dancing in the seven part one. Just sort of quieter, more intimate moments generally are the ones that I like best. Uh, as David said, there are so many uh, scenes to choose from. I think one of my enduring favourites is from the, the very first film, uh, with at the, near the beginning in Privet Drive, with Richard Griffiths um, uh, and and Dan uh, being inundated by the owl post, the letters inviting Harry to go to Hogwarts, where Richard Griffiths uh, said, "I love Sundays. Do you know why I love Sundays? Because there's no post." <laughs> and then the room is engulfed uh, by letters. So. I think that remains one of my, my favourite scenes of all. Um, my wife, my ex-wife, uh, was reminding me the other day of going to see the first Potter. There's a lovely scene where Hagrid's uh, little egg uh, hatches and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the, the, the wee Norbert comes out and subsequently sets fire to Hagrid's beard. And it was like, just one of those really nice days, do you know what I mean? Anyway, 
my wife, my ex-wife, she, she goes to the movies with our daughter. She must have been about three at the time. She's sitting on her mum's knee and she's going, oh, look, mummy, daddy's beard's gone on fire. <laughs> Whereupon two people turn around with a very cynical Glaswegian face as if to say, that bad woman, she's convinced that child that Hagrid's <laughs> her father. So her father's the, the father's obviously buggered off somewhere. <laughs> I said, that's, that, that's your dad. And these women were going, how could you? So that, that, that's what I'll always remember. Brilliant. Um, I mean, favourite scene? Anything with me in, really, um, <laughs> I'd have to say. Um, I've got to say that. But, uh, but there's, there's so many amazing scenes. A particular favourite uh, would be from uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1, the, the tale of the three brothers. The, the animation was just terrific. I mean, just so unique and so kind of... Um, it just took you in. I mean, it was, it was just amazing, that, that sequence. Um, uh, Shooting-wise, I particularly enjoyed filming um, the scene from um, number four uh, during the Yule Ball, where uh, I was able to introduce the band there. We were headed by Jarvis Cocker. Uh, it was the most tremendous few days filming we had there. There were huge speakers under the stage, and literally the Great Hall was kind of vibrating with the, the, the sound, and uh, it was terrific. And I got to stage dive as well. Which was, and I only suggested that as a joke to Michael Newell. I said, it wouldn't it be funny if, if I'd staged, stage dived, you know, during this? And he went, oh, yeah, and we had a laugh. And then Monday he came back, he said, you know what you said on Friday, we're going to do that. <laughs> I said, are you mad? And, uh, and so, so there it was. But it's tricky. If you've, have you, anyone here ever done any stage diving? I don't recommend it. I was, no, I was grabbed in places that I didn't even know I had places. It was most unpleasant, most unpleasant. Uh, mine's a kind of a cheat because mine, I can't really talk all about it because we, you haven't actually seen it yet. But um, the culmination of Harry looking at Voldemort and all of us being present in that scene that we did with all those extras, they were really there, the place was on fire. It was extraordinary, the silence and the concentration at 10 o'clock on a cold, frosty morning with that grey-blue light that we only have in rainy, rainy London town. And realising that for one of those people, he had waited literally all his life to say those lines and to finally stand up and to prove in his character, that this character is a man fighting for what he believed was good, was an extraordinary thing to witness. And we filmed it in real time. It really happened. And it was a privilege to be there. It was, it's electric. <laughs> um, I, I, th I think I'd, I'd have to say what I like mainly is, is uh, when, when Harry Potter uh, becomes funny when it allows itself to be a comedy film against all the darkness. And therefore, anything with Julie Walters and Mark Williams always cracks me up. And in, in fact, filming with those two and just spending time on the sets with them has just always been incredible. Uh, but therefore, I think the funniest scene, I think, is in the Prisoner of Azkaban, the, open, the opening sequence of Prisoner of Azkaban, where the wicked ant is inflated. Um, and, and just the, the, way, the way that was done and, and the, 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 the acting involved and just the, the final shot of, um, of Harry's stepfather trying to grab her uh, and hanging onto her leg is something I can watch over and over again. And, um, and then, you know, and personally for me, I guess, turning into a werewolf because you don't expect in your career to get to do that. 
Um, and it's just something I can put down on my obituary now that I got to turn into a werewolf. And uh, it's very enjoyable. It's very uncomfortable, but very enjoyable. Um, I liked... I also loved the animation. That was amazing how that just came in. I wasn't expecting that at all. So I loved that. I loved the, the sorting hat in the first one, because I came into Harry Potter quite late, and I hadn't seen any of the films. And when I started working, I watched all of them. And that image of the hat and what each house means, I loved. Uh, for me to do... Oh, I also like the bit when you're in it, when you've, you've got that cupboard that things can come out of and they're your worst fear. Boggarts. Yeah, that's it. That is a contraption I loved. I said boggarts. Boggarts. And me personally to do, I loved um, doing all the broomstick flying because you're in like this massive green room, really high up on this movable thing. Um, and there's like these two kind of sexy, strong guys blowing wind at you. Uh, so it's like you're on a Harley or something. And they're pretending Harry Potter's a tennis ball. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I've probably got two. One from very long way back, back on the second film, when I spent months and months lying um, in a puddle of water in the Chamber of Secrets. Although it doesn't sound that glamorous, um, it was probably really the turning point for my character in terms of its involvement with kind of Lord Voldemort and things. And then another scene you have yet to see um, is the final, final um, scene of this whole, um, um, everything to do with Harry Potter is the moment in which we kind of jump forward in time. It was just such a bizarre feeling because it was a complete cycle of a generation because the, the young girl who was playing Lily Potter was 10 and it was her first ever experience on a film set and I was her age when I started and in exactly the same set on platform nine and three quarters. So it was a very bizarre and surreal experience. Um, again, there's two for me. There's the first one was in uh, HP3 when uh, Fred and George give Harry the Marauder's Map, mainly because my granddad read the book before and he was saying that'll be a cool scene. And uh, he, he, he became quite ill before we got to film it, but that always stuck in my mind, like, to do that. And uh, the other one would be in the Goblet of Fire when we have a bit of a fight with each other, which is quite good. Um, although I actually, like, kind of hurt Mike Newell in that whole sequence. I think he hurt his rib or something when we were filming it. Broke his rib. Something like that. Um, you but that was... You, broke, like, you, you didn't broke jump the director's anything, rib. Yeah. You broke the director's yeah, rib. Yeah, broke it. <laughs> See, uh, basically, we were having a fight, and Mike said, right, who this wants to fight why they have insurance. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But he said, who wants to fight me? And like a fool, I went, oh, well. And Mike's quite a big guy, and he just jumped on top of me. So I just went like that, and he rolled on something what one of the crew had left there or something. And, uh, yeah, so that you was... you told everyone it was James, right? Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right here. <laughs> Mine would be the Weasley's joke shop in the sixth movie. Um, just, I mean, to film it was awesome because the set was really bright and just going back, like, the, the detail that went into all the props was fantastic. It was... I really just wanted to show everyone the, everything that was there because it was, like, three stories high, huge... Um, there was like a big caricature of either Oliver or myself outside, like about ten, like three stories high, with a, taking the hat off, and um, we had tailored suits for it, and we really did wet, go to town on that one. It was it was awesome. So uh, I'll say that one. Um, my one, my favorite is actually in uh, this one, part seven, part one. Um, I love the, the thing I think is best about the Harry Potter films is the way they create sort of the background atmosphere, the things that aren't even scripted, but 
um, they show you how the wizards like that they're normal people and they, they have conversations and stuff. And I think where that's best conveyed is um, at the wedding scene where you see, like Harry, he has his quest and he's trying to find out all these things about Dumbledore's past. But then you see in the background all these wizards dancing and I don't know, I've never been to a wizard wedding, but it was pretty cool. And it was just, you know, the Weasleys dancing and the Lovegoods dancing and that's how they are. And it felt so natural. And um, yeah, that's my favorite, yeah. I'd have to say maybe playing Quidditch. Uh, in order to make it look natural, they uh, got a bunch of balls and just threw them at me and I had to bat them away with my hands as, as they came. And uh, I managed to, s I think, smash a light, then hit one down a fan, and then also one... Um, there is a, a man called Laurent, who is a beautifully camp French costume designer who is walking the other direction. And um, I batted a ball and it smacked him in the back of the head, which um, to this day I still laugh at, which was, which was really fun.